And hello from Boise, Idaho and Idaho Education News. This is Extra Credit, your weekly podcast looking at education policy and education politics. I'm Kevin Richard. And I'm Clark Corbin. And if you'd circled the March 24th podcast as the, hey, they're going to wrap up the Idaho legislature podcast episode, I've got bad news for you. The legislature did not adjourn on Friday, March 24th, as promised for really for about three months. We'll be back next week. Uh, with more Idaho legislature, but a lot to catch up on from this week at the state house. Some dysfunctions and policy differences that really doesn't have a whole lot to do with K twelve necessarily. Clark, we, we were there all week. I mean, what, what's your takeaway from this kind of dysfunctional week we saw? Well, just right off the bat, for folks who may not have been following super closely, the reason we're not adjourning today. Uh, as legislative leaders had hoped, and I say today, Friday, March 24th, is because on Thursday, the eve of what was to be the last day of the legislative session, uh, four conservative members of the House succeeded in completely gridlocking the House. And uh, all activity came to a standstill for large portions of the day. They went into caucus for three hours for what seemed like you know, an airing of grievances. I right. mean, by, by all accounts, it seems like that was just the point, was we've got to air... We got to air this thing out. We got to, you know, we got to talk this through. It, it, yeah, and so you're right. It doesn't affect K-12 issues, other than the fact that it that affects the legislative end game. Uh, and so that's why we're here. That's why we're we're covering it. But let's. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about how uh, what played out on Thursday had sort of been simmering to some extent all year, right, Kevin? There had been some friction, especially between Representative Heather Scott uh, and Speaker of the House. Um, Scott Bedke, who had removed her from her committees for a period of a few weeks at the beginning of the session uh, about some derogatory comments that she apparently made or allegedly made uh, re- uh, regarding other other women members of the legislature. And so there had this, been this tension between uh, some of uh, um, Representative Scott's allies and, mm-hmm. and, and legislative leadership, and we had seen that simmer and boil over and, and then get under control for periods of time, uh, but it blew up this week, right? right. And, and we've had these flashpoints all legislative session, and it's not just Heather Scott and Scott Bedke, sure. although that's sort of the the focal point of it. But there's there's this tension between conservatives in the House, uh, maybe the more hard-right conservatives in the House, and House Republican leadership, which you know is probably more of a center-right to conservative uh, group of leaders. And it's not even as much policy... On some, to some degree, as personalities. I mean, there's some policy differences, but I think really what you've got right now are some personality differences and a real difference of an opinion about how this procedure is working, how this process is working. Uh, what the conservatives, what the hardliners seem to be most upset about is their perception that things are moving too quickly. Uh, their bills are being rushed along, and we're, here we are at the end of the legislative session. We're making big decisions, and we're hurrying into big decisions, and that's not right. And the idea of stopping the process and forcing the clerk to read bills is a form of protest to say, hey, we want the process to slow down, and here's one way to slow it down. We'll make you read bills. It's onerous. Nobody likes it. I think everybody's heart goes out for the poor clerk on the floor of the house who winds up having a 
recite a bill in front of lawmakers, in front of the gallery, in, in front of the TV cameras, uh, on uh, on the internet. It's it's it's. It's an awkward situation, but this is an embodiment of this sort of tension between the hardliners who want this process slowed down, who have concerns about the process, maybe not very clear what their substantive issues are, and sort of a a frustration that they're feeling with, with leadership. So that's kind of what we saw play out. It's not new that we've got differences between leadership and hardliners. What we're seeing is sort of the the last big floor battle between those two factions, and it really did blow up Thursday afternoon. In, in, in spectac- spectacular fashion. And I do want to say a couple of things. It was the issue of reading of the bills that, that uh, deadlocked the House, that, that killed all productivity. Uh, this is not a new thing, and this is not a tactic that has been limited uh, to the Republican Party. In the past, um, the Democrats forced... Uh, the clerk to read the Students Come First bill several years ago. Uh, those were lengthy pieces of, of legislation, and that was a contentious issue. So it's not something that's limited to the Republican Party. Oh, no, no, no. And although it is rare, uh, it is certainly not unheard of. We've seen it since Ed News has We've been. We've seen around. it since Ed News has been in place. You, you mentioned the, uh, the, the education reform, the education overhauls from 2011. I'll go back to 2006, uh, the one-day session where... Uh, uh, the legislature passed the uh, the property tax relief slash sales tax increase. Uh, Senate Democrats were very upset with the one-day process and forced that bill to be read on the floor. So it is not unheard of. It's, it's not new. But right now, it's within one party. It's within the prevailing party of the Idaho legislature. And while there's definitely this dysfunction, while there's definitely a difference in personalities, uh, there are some important policy issues that are still unresolved as we head into the the end game here at the legislature. And again, these really don't have these really aren't education bills that are, are that are hung up in the process, but transportation and taxes still unresolved. Yeah, we had this uh, we had this moment uh, middle of the week where uh, the entire House delegation from Canyon County walked into the press office and said. We're not going home. We're not going anywhere uh, until we find a transportation maintenance package uh, to address uh, the highway degradation uh, across I-84. And the Speaker of the House has said he doesn't want uh, to go home for the year without addressing transportation. And the Speaker of the House really wants to address what he sometimes calls the state's business climate, what other lawmakers call uh, tax rates and and tax cuts and, and, and tax relief. And so... Uh, so far, as we sit here on Friday, uh, neither transportation nor uh, taxes have been addressed. There's a couple of bills that have been held uh, until next week. We don't know exactly what uh, the prospects for those are. And so it isn't education issues holding it up, but there are some uh, some big-ticket items, some important mm-hmm. items for a lot of people across the state, certainly some... Uh, not easy decisions uh, to be made. Uh. Right, and it's a little bit of a, um, I wouldn't call it a stalemate yet, but there's a, a little bit of a uh, a wait, waiting game between the House and the Senate. Uh, the Senate is sitting on, right now, what looks like the last option in terms of a transportation bill. Um, now, there's never a last option. I mean, no. there's always a chance to write up something. But the one bill that's still in play, the one transportation bill 
that's still in play. Uh, they're sitting on that. We would expect some movement on that uh, the first part of next week. The House, conversely, is sitting on the tax bill that was overhauled and turned into a grocery tax uh, a bill to repeal yep. the grocery tax. That passed the Senate. It's sitting in the House. The House has to decide whether they uh, will uh, will accept the amendments from the Senate or or not, and that hasn't happened. So that's kind of stalemated. So both both houses are kind of looking at each other right now and, and trying to figure out, you know, where is the movement? So, you know, we'll see what happens early next week. Uh, we'll get a sense of whether there's any kind of a, uh, a middle ground between the Senate and the House pertaining to transportation and how does the how does tax legislation fit into all of this? But again, to underscore, I mean, right now, this isn't like 2013 where the hang-up to adjournment was uh, right. the, the education budget. Education legislation is pretty much wound its way through the legislature. And against all of this dysfunction is juxtaposed what happened with the seven education budgets in both the House and the Senate. You started it this week in the House on Monday. 28 minutes? It was a whole different House of Representatives. Over the course of just 28 minutes, uh, the House of Representatives swiftly and near unanimously approved all seven K-12 public school budgets for the 2017-2018 school year. We're talking at this point about almost $1.7 billion, a 6.3% increase in education spending uh, above the current year's levels. It is um, by far the state's largest annual expense, and uh, Representative Wendy Horman uh, from Idaho Falls and a coalition uh, of, of members of the Joint Finance Appropriations Committee worked on these and got them through with widespread support. There was no debate against them. Uh, for all the concerns that uh, some lawmakers have about spending levels and uh, wanting to set aside money for tax cuts, uh, these went through strongly. And I, I talked to Representative Horman about it. I talked to the Speaker of the House, Scott Bedke, about it. And they think that there's a couple of different reasons why these went through um, with the support they did. is n Number one, uh, it was kind of a budget that sort of um, was kind of a placeholder budget, but it's it did follow... Uh, it did follow the five-year plan under the career ladder, which is Idaho's $250 million uh, program to increase teacher pay to help in the areas of teacher uh, recruitment and teacher retention. Uh, the biggest part by far of the new spending within the education budget is almost $62 million uh, in raises for teachers. And so that's one of the top education headlines of the year for me it is these education budgets passing and the increase in pay uh, for teachers. It sailed through the House less than half uh, an hour. Real similar story a, a couple days later in the Senate where they passed the Senate unanimously right. uh, without any debate. It took a little bit longer, a little bit over uh, 40 minutes. Um, uh, but a lot of support for these K-12 budgets that we saw, Kevin. Right. And again, it was kind of the same sentiment prevailing in the Senate. It wasn't just the 33 to nothing votes uh, on the floor and the rapid succession of those votes. I mean, you know, you heard senators uh, who sit on the budget committee uh, kind of taking turns talking about the importance of these budgets and the process that got to this point. Uh, Republicans and w one of the Democrats uh, on, on JFAC in the Senate uh, kind of taking turns talking about uh, 
how these budgets uh, sort of continue the process that was uh, set forth in 2013 with the task force. The the only topic that came up in, in, to any length was the issue of insurance, yeah. and the issue of covering uh, insurance benefits for for teachers and school employees, and that growing cost for school districts. Uh, Dean Mortimer, the, the chairman of the Senate Education Committee, uh, there had been some rumblings about whether he would uh, oppose the budgets or the portions of the budgets that pertain to benefits. He took to the floor to to discuss the issue at length, and he wound up voting for the education budgets, and he stopped short of debating against the budgets, obviously, but said these budgets don't go far enough to handle this problem uh, that the districts are facing. We're talking about $160 million a year that the districts and the charters have to pay to help cover uh, employee benefits, and that's after a lot of districts have had to curtail benefits, uh, raise out-of-pocket costs for employees and their families, so $160 million Mortimer had wanted to create a $20 million line item to start to shift that into a dedicated fund. That didn't uh, get through the budget committee. Right. What the budget committee wound up doing was they they kicked about $10 million of additional money into uh, school operational spending, discretionary spending, with the idea that that will help cover some of the increases in health insurance costs. So it was kind of a curious process on the Senate floor of discussing this, of kind of raising the issue. Uh, Mortimer sounded uh, apologetic because he felt like he hadn't succeeded in getting the issue addressed properly in legislation and kind of came away with it, came away from it saying, we're going to need to discuss this in the future. We're going to have to fight another day on this issue. So He, he did. It was kind of a... Not a powerful moment, but a poignant moment on the Senate floor when the... And he's a powerful senator, right, Kevin? He's the chairman Mm -hmm. of the Senate Education Committee. He sits on the Joint Budget Committee. He stood up uh, in front of all the senators. He apologized. He said, I did not do a good enough job of making the case about how my health plan uh, would have helped school districts, and I want to take responsibility for that, and I want to apologize for that, whether it... Uh, whether he did mess it up, it, it's not often that you see someone stand up and say, listen, guys, uh, I want to take responsibility for this. And so uh, that was noteworthy. But he did say uh, he came close to debating against the bill, but he, he did not debate against right. the bill. Uh, he voted for its passage. And he did say, we're going to come back and we're going to keep talking about this. And I'm going to work on making a stronger case um, for this issue. Coming back likely next year. And speaking of... Well, and, what I, when, and I think what it was... And maybe this is a contrast to some of the ideological uh, positioning that you're seeing on the House. As I listened to Mortimer on on the floor Wednesday afternoon, I've not had a chance to talk to him uh, after that. Uh, So this is just kind of my interpretation listening to it, my impression listening to it. I I got the sense that there there was a lot of pragmatism uh, flavoring his, his comments Wednesday. He had taken a run at this issue as a member of JFAC, he and uh, Sean Keogh, yep. the Senate co-chair, a couple of folks who, who know how to get things done at the State House, they had taken a run in committee. They were outvoted in committee. The committee decided to go with the uh, with the other route of putting more money into operational spending. And, and I think what you may have seen with, with Mortimer's comments and Keogh's silence on this issue were two senators saying, look, we're, we don't, we took our run at this. 
we are not going to try to gum up the process of passing the education budgets. Uh, we'll deal with this issue in more detail later. And you also had a couple of senators after Mortimer's uh, debate on the Senate floor saying, you know, this issue is now, we're aware of it. I mean, it's, it's, it's in the forefront now, and it's something that we'll talk about more. Yeah, and yeah, I think that's definitely going to happen. I think the stage is set there. And I think that's really one of the, the defining characteristics of this legislative session. While a lot was done in terms of continuing the task force recommendations, continuing that five-year process, I wrote about it this week, a lot of unresolved issues on uh, the K-12 front, a lot of things that we're going to be looking at, maybe some more closure and definitely some more discussion in 2018. Let's talk about that for just a second. And it reminds me of a conversation I had with House Education Committee Chairwoman Julie Van Orden just before the legislative session kicked off, where she said, we're not going to make a lot of drastic changes this year. We're going to wait and see for a number of reasons. We're going to wait and see what happens out of Washington, D.C. We're going to wait and see what happens with implementation of federal education laws. And and so true to her word, uh, we are going to kind of wait and see. But you took a close look at it, kind of walked through some of the big issues that are affecting uh, school districts and teachers in Idaho uh, that maybe weren't addressed this year, but seem like uh, they're not going away, that will continue to be issues next year. Kind of, mm-hmm. uh, let's go through some of those. Well, as I rattled through them in, in the article I did on Thursday, I came up with, I, I think, eight topics that got discussed this year, didn't get resolved, and may come back in one form or another in 2018. The insurance issue, uh, rural education, yeah. which kind of died on the Senate side again this year. Uh, that was Superintendent Ibarra's. Mm. She said a top piece of legislation, her Rural Schools Education Center, again, it passed the House like last year. Again, the Senate did not take it up, killing it for the year. Uh, that was one of the pieces, Kevin. Right, and and it goes down the list, and you can look at my story at idahoednews.org and get the whole list. But really a lot of topics that didn't get resolved this year for a lot of reasons. The changeover in Washington, D.C., definitely a factor, definitely a reason why there wasn't a whole lot of movement this year, maybe on uh, tax credits for private education or vouchers or any of those kind of topics that fall under that nebulous heading of school choice. Um, So no movement there. A lot of other topics that got set aside because we still have a, a funding formula committee working at the state level, right. looking at rewriting the formula. And that will be big news, and that will most be big likely news, next year. And we'll see what comes out of that. But because that committee is still a work in progress, a lot of other topics kind of got set aside, including the insurance issue. Uh, there were folks in the budget committee and folks on in the legislature who said, hey, wait a minute, let's not get too far out ahead of what's happening with the funding formula. Let's not add another line item to the education budget when we're trying to decide if we have too many to begin with. So a a lot of big issues uh, still hanging fire in 2018, which is an election year. It's an election year, uh, not for the governor, but it's an election year for uh, State Superintendent Ibarra. She may have an opponent in the Republican primary, for all we know. And uh, will almost certainly have an opponent in the general election. Uh, every legislator is up for uh, re-election. And while Governor Otter isn't seeking re-election, you're going to have a very heated gubernatorial election. Maybe on. four or five or more yeah. candidates? Four um, seems to be kind of the, the low-end estimate right yeah. now. I mean, 
so we'll have all of that playing out, all of these big issues and complicated issues as they were discussed this year, the complications became very evident. Yeah. Yeah, let's get done with this legislative session first, I suppose. But looking ahead to what may await in 2018, it could be a very eventful uh, legislative session on K-12 issues. It was a good piece. Folks can go check that out at uh, IdahoEdNews.org. You published that um, on Thursday. It kind of runs through what we did not do this year, uh, what's still left unaddressed, sets up um, next year. I think that catches us up on all this week's headlines. It was a dysfunctional week um, at the legislature. I know a lot of folks, not just you and I, um, uh, were wondering uh, about whether this would be the end this week. And so I'm really looking forward to this weekend, and I hope a lot of our listeners have a lot of fun this weekend. There is a lot going on uh, that's interesting in our world. The U.S. soccer team, Kevin, has big, important games with their backs up against the wall. We have great young talent uh, but we're trying to qualify for the World Cup and so far have zero points. That's important. I know some of you have uh, March Madness teams still alive. That's going to be fun. I'm going to be hanging out downtown Boise at the Tree Fort Music Festival. And so I'm so happy that it's Friday. I don't even care that it's raining. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting away from the legislature, getting away from the state capitol building, uh, and having fun with sports yeah, and, and music they'll be this back weekend. On, they'll be back on Monday. They will. And it may be for the last week, but we'll... Uh... Yeah, I'm not going to, uh, you know, bet, bet a house payment on that. You know, who knows what happens. We will see. Regardless, we'll be there. Uh, we'll be covering it every day. Uh, follow us at Idaho Ed News on Twitter for all the latest breaking news. We'll be back next Friday uh, with another podcast. Uh, we'll either wrap up uh, the legislative session or we'll tell you what the latest roadblock is that prevented adjournment. Um, I think that... There is a pretty good chance that they will adjourn next week, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see. They still want to get some work done. Uh, Speaker of the House still wants them to address transportation and taxes, so we shall see. But as always, thank you so much for listening to Extra Credit. We really enjoy this podcast and hope you enjoy listening to it. I'm Clark. I'm Kevin. Have a good week.